Welcome to Sword and Board. I'm Luke. And I'm Lars. This is an attempt to rank every fantasy movie ever made. Lars, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty great, man. Um, we had um, an awesome weekend. My neighborhood hosts um, a porch fest, which is a music festival every year. We had 44, 46 bands, something like that, across, I think it was like 39 porches. And basically, you just walked around our neighborhood all day and listened That's to free music. really cool. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I helped set up um, all, like all the tents for it and the tables and chairs and stuff. And then, but everybody else just you know welcomed bands onto their porches. We had um, a really great band called the Menders. It's uh, you know Wes um, uh-huh. CJ's husband. He, it's his band. Um, so they performed on our uh, on our porch. Uh, Eleanor danced the whole time. It was it was Good. pretty rad, man. It was uh, it was pretty great. Uh, I am finally done with my vacation time for last year, so this this is my last stretch of being able to just catching up. Uh, due to an accounting error in my favor, like a friggin' Monopoly card, uh, I ended up with an additional week of vacation time. <laughs> yeah, so is after burning, I like I burned two weeks in awesome. November to catch up on schoolwork, and I still had two weeks. So is this like, what am I doing? Nothing. I, I made rice the other day. I took out the recycling. <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah, we um, we froze a bunch of blueberries because we've been baking those. i not baking those. Picked those. I picked a bunch of those at uh, her parents' place. It's been it's been nice. And then I got to go back to work on Friday, and just just so much fun to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of awful. <laughs> <laughs> no. Speaking see, of awful, let's start with yours because I have a, uh, I got a, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but I do have something. So your movie this week was. So my, Jesus. Okay. So <laughs> f- first off, let's let's frame this episode by letting everyone know that you are going to be listening to a Nick Cage fantasy movie breakdown. <laughs> yeah, this is a. Uh, uh, so if you don't want to listen to that, and I completely understand why you wouldn't want to listen to that, um, catch us next time for a Nick Cage free discussion. This uh, is don't, all. Don't tempt them with that because there are other <laughs> Nick Cage fantasy movies. We promise not to have one <laughs> next time. time. <laughs> next time we won't. Yeah. I mean, oh. so my movie. Yeah. We'll start. We'll just start with mine, and it was. Uh, so it was called Season of the Witch. This was a this was a dry ham sandwich of a movie. Uh, it was it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just perfectly adequate on every aspect of it, and I don't remember anything about it. I my last we'll, we'll get through all of yeah. this, but my last just so everyone knows my last comment of the movie as it's fading out was well that was just a whole lot of blah yeah. Just like, and I, and I I zoned out big time. Oh, yeah. Throughout this whole movie. So, okay. So, Season of the Witch, it opens. uh, Again, this is another movie that is in a time. Like, it has a time period, which I liked with Solomon Kane. It was, and I did not really give a damn at all here but it's an it's a movie that takes place during the crusades and it opens on this really funny you know it's this village and these women are are being pulled up because oh they're a witch they're a witch and of course i keep thinking well where's a duck if she weighs as much as a duck 
Where's then, the very small rocks? Where's the very small rocks? Which is a death knell when you're trying to be a serious movie if all I'm thinking about is the scene from Monty Python, right? Like, you know, so I, I'm instantly taken out of the serious mm-hmm. It's a fair court, at least. When all I'm thinking about, it's a fair, right. Yeah. It, so it, it's just, I, you're, you're trying to go for this really serious, you know, wrenching, you know, gut-wrenching moment. And all I'm thinking about is John Cleese saying very small rocks. <laughs> so yeah. uh, churches, churches. <laughs> um, the Hound's in it again. And- yeah, I was about to say we accidentally continue the game of Game Thrones. of Thrones. It just won't go away. We're still not talking about still it. Not talking about still not talking about it. About it. Actually, you know what? I will say this. I I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed the books for the most part. I had my problems with the books. I had my problems with the show. It was a good show. It was fun, and then it wasn't. And then, and then it's, and, it got worse. And then it got it got worse. And it I just I was disappointed. I think overall, now that I've had time to reflect on it, I was disappointed overall with the last season. It wasn't a it ruined everything or, you know, it wasn't the, the last Jedi reaction where this ruined star Wars. No, it just, it was a Ah. thing that some people liked and it was a thing that some other people didn't like. I personally Ah. didn't, there there are moments that I really liked in the the last season. There are moments that I thought, Oh, they're just rushing this. Um, Uh, I have a whole, I have a whole thought that the the switch prestige television has had since say 2000, Six, I think, or two thousand four, two thousand five, when the Battlestar reboot came out, uh, and what they about, did. What about Sopranos? Hold, hold on. Okay. Where Sopranos less so because that was that was before the Prestige format, and I'll, I'll explain in a minute. Where when television switched to from initially a twenty six episode season, twenty six to twenty three right. episodes because of how long a year was, they switched to a uh, there's a switch to a like 13 episodes or something. Season. Like 13 episodes, yeah. Which is what um, the Battlestar reboot did. And it switched to halftime with season 2 and season 2.5 DVD sales. Right. And that's when things start changing, particularly with prestige format, Netflix, HBO, Hulu. Their seasons tend to be between 10 to 13 episodes long. Every show. And so we switch from having the ability to grow with a television and burn an episode on a weird little side story and to a, we gotta go, 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 and get the plot out as quickly as possible. To the point where, I mean, the first six mm-hmm. seasons of Game of Thrones are each ten episodes long, that's fine. And then it goes to season seven, which I think is, what, seven or eight episodes? And then this one was six. So it's half the time our already truncated seasons are, and then that kind of ruins the the entire, everyone's saying that it's rushed. It was, because we did, we had literally half the amount of time that a regular episode has. I never understood the whole Danny's insane thing. The entire run, people have been saying that the entire series. I've never understood that, and that has never been more abundantly clear to me than in the last couple episodes where they had to shoehorn in as the the real dragon was her all along. Um, yeah, that was just a, that turn yeah. kind of didn't feel as earned as like like I heard a lot of the the complaints about oh well why is Arya the one to kill the Night King because she earned that for seven seasons she trained to be an assassin. Yeah, yeah. I bought that one completely. <laughs> and they make and may they have been making the whole thing about, you know, what is essentially what are the what are the White Walkers? Well they're death and what do what do the faceless men say to the god of death? Not today. Not today. Yeah. So yeah. I completely love that. That was fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, that's that was perfect. I would have I still might have liked a little bit more not necessarily explanation, but a bit more in that uh, uh in that moment getting to that point. And that episode. But again, 
it's the whole thing of we could have had more time to see Danny's change or Arya's not change, but an explanation in episode or in that season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I just, it didn't stick the landing and, nope. and, and, and that, that was, that's a shame. I mean, yeah. but it, I don't think it really colors. It, it's not like the end of how I met your mother didn't stick the landing and it really colored the rest of the, sh- yeah. the show for me. Whereas this one, eh, okay, I didn't really like the ending yeah, all that much, they, but I still appreciated the, the rest of the show. They had the, and, the, what could be sorry, the most ahead. optimistic ending for that entire setting. A bunch of people sitting around a table trying to solve some problems. Like, for that entire, for that yeah. scenario, okay, there's people actually trying to do something positive-ish. Um, for anybody not understanding why we're on this tangent, it's because we don't <laughs> want to talk about these goddamn movies that we watched. Um... That's why. So, getting back to... Sorry. No, yeah. that's okay. I have really enjoyed this little Side. tangent. Yeah. The hound's in it. He just pops up again. Apparently, that's what, that's the time period that actor lives in, and they just just well, that, pull him in when they make a movie. Well, that or um, a tiny town in England. Right. <laughs> um, so, it opens on the village. They're, gonna, they're these priests, or this this priest. They just hang these women. There's like three, three of them. They just throw them over the side of a bridge. And hang them. Like, the priest wants to bring one of them up. Like, he needs to, like, you know, bless them so that way, you know, their their spirits are absolved or whatever. And, like, the villagers won't do it, so he does it himself. Can you figure out what's going to happen when he does it in the dead of night? You know, the, the witches, you know, the, they come up, come to life. There's more zombies. So another zombie movie. And the priest dies. And I... I wasn't. I was not really clear. Is that the witch that then inhabits our witch? I think so. Is... I think okay. that's not necessarily. Well, we'll get to that because it's never. She was never a witch. She was. A, it was a demon. But we'll get demon. Yeah. Okay. And then it cuts to the Crusades where you've got and Ron Perlman, Perlman, Ron Perlman, and Nicolas Cage. Oh, <sighs> which you know, if you had told me that a movie with Ron Perlman and Nick Cage was going to be boring, I would have actually been kind of surprised because if you had. They managed to have Nick Cage not go full Cage. Oh, see, I thought that he was no, no. Well, no, well, no. He's this was he, he's he is watered down. I mean, he he's not like full on Nick Cage. He's not Wicker Man, Nick Cage. He's not Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, Nick Cage. No, he is. This is like that weird time period, like before all of that happened. I think I, I was trying to like figure out like place place this because the other movie it's a very different Nick Cage that we see. Yes. Um, this one is like right at the as things started to downturn, as things start to like you know there there's a point in time where Nick Cage you know at early in his career he was really goofy and funny and moonstruck and and, and raising Arizona and he was and you know Peggy Sue got married and then he went on to you know he won an Oscar and then he started doing these action movies but you know still like still was like a viable person like, yeah by you know and then like you know the National Treasure movies you know really popular and then there's a point where it was he's just gonna make a movie all the time which you know if, if maybe he just really enjoys doing it um roger ebert had a line about about nick cage which i think sums up everything mm-hmm. that he is he is a good actor in good movies and an indispensable actor in bad movies. <laughs> that's that's good i like that <laughs> yeah I, yeah so they're crusaders They've been fighting across the, the, the Arab world, and they eventually realize they're just being dicks, and they get kicked out by the 
by the clergy. Yeah, yeah, like well, and so you know, there's this big montage at the beginning where they're they're running through the crusades and all these different battles, and that was kind of neat. I didn't really, I'm not a history of the crusades person, so I guess I, it wasn't as impactful to like the battle of this and the battle of this and the battle of this. I I wonder like everything. Did Braveheart make every melee scene? Does it mean that every melee scene has to look like that from here on out? Yes. Did, did, so Braveheart made it so, I mean, I remember the first time I saw Braveheart and that battle scene is incredible. It's like nothing well, that you ever have seen before. Well, what's fascinating is that that scene with the spears, that is actually, that took place on a bridge and they, they blew up the bridge in real life. Like they, they, the cavalry charged across the bridge and they were sitting underneath it and they pulled the bridge out and they all drowned. Hmm. Instead of doing that, they had spears. Okay. It, 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 all of that felt very Braveheart. Like, you know, one yeah. group of people, another group of people, they run into each other. And that's what it looked like. Right. I mean, I, and I really felt like, you know, they were really hammering home that this is a real, take this movie. This is a serious take, take, movie. This is a serious movie. This is about the Crusades. But Nick Cage just did not fit in. Like, it just, I, I, no. I can never, you know, some actors lose themselves in the role or even, you know, some actors, you know, even if you're not buying that they should be there, you're in, enjoying that they're there. Yep. I, I didn't care. And, like, it, it, he just, he was completely, should not have been in that kind of movie. Nope. And it's this, it, that's what you're saying. Like, like you said, it's bland. I said it was a ham sandwich. It just didn't, I didn't care. I don't care what happened in it, but it wasn't overly offensive. It wasn't bad. Wasn't Deathstalker? No, no. I mean, there. You know, there's, there's, there's that. There, there's that. It just, yeah. It just, it, it was like a bleh. Like you know, so Nick Cage, Ron Perlman decide not to be in the Crusades anymore. They are like knights on the lamb, basically, and they get discovered. And basically, there's this witch that they're trying to transport somewhere, right? I mean, that's basically all it is. Yeah, they 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 go to a town. The town has got a witch in there. They say. Let's move the witch to this town, to this place where we can give her a fair trial. So we're gonna dunk her in the water again, and a lot of people die on the way there. And it's a couple of different character actors, and it's bleh, bleh, bleh. is she a witch? Is she not a witch? Uh. Yeah, like there's not like the the set pieces. There's not enough like interesting fights or set pieces. It's just it's kind of them walking, and just a lot of just just things that I that really took me out of it. So Nick Cage took me out of it. Their beards are just really way too trimmed. Like I go, I yep. go camping for a weekend, and I'm all scraggly. These people live camping. They are that's, yeah. that's how they, that's where they live is camping. And it should at least be cut down and bigger, and just, right? And it just didn't, you know. So that took me out of it. I don't know. I, it just was weird. It, it, it was like a movie that didn't know what it wanted to be. Like, did it want to be a horror movie? Did it want to be this religious epic? Did it want to be a period piece? Did it want to be... Did it want to be a, uh, a stupid fantasy movie? Did it want to be it kind of like end. an odd comedy? Like, there's some weird, like, I've saved your ass too many times. Have fa- Wait a minute. Why are you saying that in this kind of movie? Yeah. You know, or let's get that... Making jokes about... Let's get the hell out of make- here. Would you? Do they actually say that back then? I don't think that they said that back then. And then it, and then it's just the whole, yeah, like, and then it cuts to the end, and she's not, she's not a witch. There's just a demon possessing her, so we need to have an exorcism. And then it burns Ron Perlman to death, cause, mm-hmm. and then everyone dies, and and Nick Cage kills it, and he just kind of stabs it again. I think, yeah, he stabs it because he's he's hugging yeah. it and being burned to death, and he stabs it and it dies, and then their squat. And then he dies. And, and then, then he the squire dies. goes off with a witch who's not a witch. And then it ends. Uh, oh, I'm yeah, not a witch. I'm your wife. <laughs> um, and it just, 
it just ends. It's just a series of of nah. Like I don't. It's yeah. it's not like that's why I keep coming back to ham ham sandwich. It wasn't it wasn't offensive enough to be memorable, and it wasn't good enough to be something I want to keep talking about. So I don't then let's not keep it. talking yeah. about it. It so, was it was uh, it was a movie that we. That we watched, it was just yeah. I have whatever. I have seen worse. I have seen much better. I will forget this within within the next couple of weeks. Within within <laughs> yeah. the second that I stop talking <laughs> to you, let's talk about um, your movie. So I remember seeing this in theaters. I remember being super stoked about it. And my movie this week, oh, or this time around, is uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is so much better than it has any right to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. That doesn't make it actually really good, but. I love this because nope. it's it's not afraid to let Nick Cage act and be be weird. And that goes a long way to sort of at least making this movie way more memorable in my mind and way more I want to watch this again because Nick Cage is allowed to be kind of but he, but but not like full on like this is this so this is the time period you know, so if Season of the Witch is like when the wheels have started coming off of his career, this is there. This is this is like right after, like this is around the National Treasure time because it's directed by the same guy, John Turtletop. It's direct. It's produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, who also did National Treasure. It's a Disney movie. Um, also National. So Treasure. it's kind of right. So it, it's it's one of those like it's a family movie. And he hasn't completely lost his mind yet, so he's still kind of believable as a mm-hmm. a draw, right? You know, so this is this is supposed to be like a, a, a it's not like a tentpole movie, but it, you know, it's a no, or like a is. giant blockbuster. But it's not it, it is not a just thrown together like season of the witch. Like this has yeah. real production values. Money was exactly. put behind this. They don't do that if if they don't believe that the star can carry it. And so he's still in there's that more mode than two of two actors in it. There's um, like there's, I can name. Several, uh, several actors in it, at least. I can. Um, yeah, it just... it. I know, I liked it. I actually kind of liked it. It was... Um, I, I, I didn't put it together that, it, you know, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. So we didn't grow up... The only time that we watched the Disney Channel was yep. during the free weekends. Like, we were we were Nickelodeon kids. <laughs> and VHS, so, the free weekends, the Disney Channel, all the time. And then the, gi- and the giant plastic yeah. VHS yeah. tapes that... Well, that there was that, but then also, you know, you, you'd get the movies. So that was that's our that's our exposure to Disney. So the Sorcerer's Apprentice, which I know is on Fantasia, we didn't really watch that one. That wasn't. I don't. I don't. Still don't think I've. Watched that wasn't it. Lion King or Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast or or Little Mermaid or, or Hercules. Hercules or 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 yeah, you know, Robin Hood or you know, all those. Detective. Right, the ones that we watched. So I, I didn't put it together right away that oh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, they're playing off of. That yeah. and and we'll we'll get to that yeah. in a, in a little bit I'm sure but I I, I liked it I wonder I had a question for you because you're you're more of the the you know the whites you know once in future king mm-hmm. you know and 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 really the Arthurian legend and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff why does everything always relate back to this why does everything you know why is it always about Arthur Merlin Morgana because is it lazy writing or is it a cultural shorthand that allows us to get into the story it allows it. I'd say it's cultural shorthand. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not lazy. That lazy writing can't be can't use cultural shorthands. But it's mm-hmm. just, it's like it's like ISO groceries, ISO standard groceries. When you see in a sitcom, it's always going to have a paper bag with a baguette and carrots in it. 
so you have a mm-hmm. visual indicator that it's you've gone grocery shopping. I think it's the same kind of, of thing where you're able to, well, oh, okay, so we know that there is a chain of magicians, and those are at least something to establish in that universe to give it weight, because if it's, and the great sorcerer, blah, 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 I'm not going to remember that. But saying, but, you know, he is the, the apprentice of Merlin, has it, um, gives it some kind of, of weight that there's a chain of unbroken magic. Kind of. Okay. Um, I'm not saying that it's not the most elegantly hand, that it's the most elegantly handled way to do it, but it sound, it's a way to, to establish, establish a pattern. And there's better ways to do it. There are worse ways. To, I don't think there's better ways to do it, but I've seen it handled worse. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't. It, it didn't bother me all that much, but it's just one of those, like, all right, why this again? <laughs> you know, why, why are, you know, why, why is it always tying back to this? And is it one of those just, is it, is it like Joseph Campbell's, you know, hero's quest? Like, you know, there's, there's certain mythologies that are, like, foundational for us. And is, Arth- is the Arthurian legend one of those? And it might very well might be. I would say it's the fact that Arthur is a cultural shorthand for certain things, the same way that Robin Hood is a, is a cultural shorthand for things. So back to the movie. <laughs> he, um, back in King Arthur, whatever. Uh, Balthasar Blake, I think is it's Balthasar, right? Balthasar, Balthasar Blake. Blake. He yep. is one of Merlin's apprentices, and he is tasked by Merlin to find basically Merlin's reincarnation. Merlin has two other apprentices, Monica Bellucci and Alfred Molina, who decides to break off and join the forces of Elevil. Can't remember his name. And Alfred Molina gives a bang-up performance in everything he does. And so they get tra- They fight each other throughout history. And as they're fighting each other, uh, they... Nick Cage keeps putting evil wizards into a Matryoshka doll, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it cuts to, like... 10 years ago and Jimmy Eight World plays and there's a school field trip. Uh, on the field trip our protagonist comes back and it, he walks into Nick Cage's magic shop and it uh, he's the prime Merlinian and so Nick Cage is going to apprentice him but he accidentally releases Alfred Molina from the Matryoshka jaw jar and then Nick Cage and Alfred Molina get trapped in the jar again and he runs out and the kid runs out of the, the thing and it's a really traumatic experience because no one believes him for what's going on. Yeah, like like like, like he comes out of the, the house or the, the building and like is yelling that's on fire fire and all his classmates see him and they think he's crazy and it looks like he peed his pants and like it's it's a traumatic thing and we cut to 10 years ahead of time again cuts to uh jay bircherell the grown-up kid he's a college student now who's blotted out the entire experience turns out he's really good at physics and things like that and so he becomes a, a college student studying science and all that and somehow balthazar comes back he goes and finds him to, to teach him and it turns out that alfred molina wants him as well to uh awaken morgana and in the Every, world, everybody keeping up. There's a lot of there's a lot of little things about it, and it is you know they 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 meet a not David Blaine. Well, 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 wait. So all of this, so prior to so all of this stuff, most of the exposition that we get, yeah, is like in the first three minutes. It's like now, and then a Jimmy Eat World song, and now and you're in your now you're in New York. It was there's a hell of a lot of exposition. The the little kid. So the the reason why the little kid is running away, like so, he's on a class field trip. He gives this love note to this girl um, that he that he likes, and it's like check yes or no if you want to be my friend or boyfriend or whatever. And then like the wind takes it, and like he chases after it down the street. And 
I'm like, well, that you never find that piece of paper again. This is New York. There's and, paper and, everywhere. And there's paper everywhere. And that's where my incredulity, that's what hung it up. It wasn't that we're watching a movie about a sorcerer or that we're watching a movie about, you know, <laughs> magic and all that. It was, oh, no, that paper's gone. Like, he can't find that again. That's silly. Why is he chasing it? Well, because he's he's a kid and it's obviously a piece of paper on a magical destiny. Yeah. Cuz he he sort of has to choose he sort of has to choose to be the guy and there's a choice literally on the piece of paper and it flies to the it flies to the choice. Yeah. Um I I think the so I know, I'm, I know. I'm um <laughs> Before he becomes um Jay Baruchel, it it's there's this big kind of act, like big fight set piece in the, sh- the so Nicholas Cage works in or owns this shop, the Arcana Cabana, which is awesome. And that's yes, it is, and that's where all of these like relics that he's collected over the years are, um, you know, very it, it all looked felt very Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, very loud and explosive, not subtle, <laughs> which they're, um, they're still coming off of the cusp of. Yeah, the problem was that there's this big fight between Alfred Molina and Nicholas Cage. Like, right at the beginning, basically. You know, we have this three-minute-long exposition dump, and now they're fighting. I don't know enough about the characters to care at that point. So this big action fight set piece, I don't really know what's going on, and I I only know to root for Nick Cage because he's Nick Cage, and the other guy looks swarthy, so let's root against him. They just didn't... I don't think they did a good enough job. Like, I, I think they tried to hide it in, like, a mystery of, like, what is Alfred Molina's character doing so you don't hear about it until later. But there should have been, high, like, more stakes. Like, it should have been, if Alfred Molina gets out, it's because he's trying to do this. Right. And this is going to happen. We didn't, we didn't get that. So why why are they fighting? Right. You know, so it, it just kind of it, it lost its the gravity of yeah, it all, yeah. and that and that kind of carried over into some of the later set pieces until we find out actually why we need to stop Alfred Molina. Mm-hmm. Something I did like about it, though, as opposed to a lot of fant- uh, a lot of magic movies, for lack of a better term, they actually did something with magic in it. It was weird and dreamy and kind of ethereal, and a lot of times, like the the whole sequence where they drive through the mirror and they're in the mirror universe. That was awesome. Yeah, and it's I love that. And there's uh when the, the the carpet that's actually quicksand and all these other little tiny things where it's like, oh, magic can actually do anything. It can do whatever you want it to. They've leaned into that pretty hard, I thought. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the discount, um the David Blaine lookalike, who I thought was I love that because like, oh, I've I've I thought I've always thought that would be a really really neat twist on something was if you have a a stage magician who actually is a an actual you know can do real magic and he just lives that way because it's way easier for him to make money as a performer. Right. Uh, and he no, did, yeah, he was funny. Yeah. There. So it was really like that. All my like. Yeah. All my secrets open. Like that song. Um, they must have. Paid a fortune for that because they play that Every a couple, lot. Yes, they do, and they, um, they play it on Tesla coils. They play it on Tesla coils. So our sorcerer's apprentice, the Prime Merlinian, is a f- particle physicist. Like he, he's and to which Nick Cage says the reason why he has such an aptitude for physics is that he uses all of his brain. That uh, a sorcerer or a magician, the reason why they can do magic is that. Instead of just using tiny parts of their brain, they use their entire part, you know, entire brain. So is science, is, is sorcery science and magic? 
sorcery science or magic yes or magic. and yes and I, I like that he kind of that was that was a neat little little thing to not to do like yeah you're good at both because you're good at you're good at one because you're good at the other and that and I, I liked that it, it didn't elevate one above the other. Yeah. Like, it, it, it made it so that science... Yeah, science is magic, and magic is science. You know, and it, it's just... It's a different, you know... It's a different way of thinking. Yeah, so I, I, I like that. So, Jay... Is it Baruchel? I think it's Baruchel. Baruchel. So, Jay Baruchel, he is... He is was given this dragon ring by Nick Cage at the beginning of the movie because he thinks that he's actually the prime Merlinian, which he turns yeah, out to be. Yeah, and he could have bought that dragon um, ring at any Spencer's gifts. I mean... Yeah, right. So, so he, it's like 10 years later, he's still like this bumbling guy. and He meets back up with a girl he tried to ask out way, way long in the past. Yeah, and... he's, he's a TA for her class, because obviously that would have happened. Nick Cage really gets out of the, the, the weirdest things about these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick Cage gets out of the urn with Alfred Molina. They're both trying to get to him. Basically, Nick Cage explains what mag magic is. It piques Jay's interest. He wants to become this apprentice. I loved. So there's this this part where like Alfred Molina is trying to basically Alfred Molina is trying to get. So what basically what had happened was that Nick Cage trapped Morgana in a de nesting doll, but Nor Morgana was actually in the love of his life, and then he surrounded it by other bad guys, other mini dolls, bosses, other bad guys, other mini bosses in this nesting doll, and so now Alfred Molina is trying to get the nesting doll, and he thinks that Jay Baruchel has it. He doesn't, but they're trying to get him. And there's a scene where they're in Chinatown because they have kind of tracked it back there. And that parade dragon, so there's a parade dragon, and one of the bad guy, one of the lesser bosses breaks free of his nesting doll, and he like he turns it into a real dragon. And while the men are like walking inside of the, the parade, you know, the parade dragon, it turns into a real dragon around them. So like you start seeing that they're not in cloth anymore, they're surrounded by rib cages and like the interior <laughs> intestinal track of, of this dragon. Um I don't know. I thought that part was just really cool. I has there ever been a a, a Chinatown in a movie where it wasn't the Chinese New Year? I thought that it's always the Chinese New Year in Chinatown. Okay, like how in in Chicago it's probably always going to be St. Patrick's Day, or in uh, in New Orleans it's always Mardi Gras. Yeah, no matter where you go in Chinatown, there's some sort of dragon w walking through it. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure that I, my, my that uh, Hollywood hasn't lied to me about this. Yeah, Hollywood is... Well, I mean, obviously, Hollywood is incredibly sensitive to other cultures and how they represent them. And, exactly. and you can just look at the history of, of movies. You know, they've always been very good about um, treating people equitably and and, and, um, and with respect. And, fairly. and fairly. And, and I mean, look at how they treated Native Americans fairly the entire time. There was, There's never been a time in our history yeah. of film where Native Americans were portrayed... Saying this um, as, 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 as like two white people. <laughs> no, never. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, everything's been great. <sighs> so, <laughs> says two white people, everything's good. Um... It it was it was less of a fantasy movie for me and more of an adventure action movie with fantastical elements, you know. Yep, I I'm I'm always going to be partial to kind of urban fantasy because it, it. You're big on the Jim Butcher yeah, it, books. It's so. such a 
Jim, Jim Butcher Dresden Dresden books, and there's a bunch of other like little things. I like the idea of of the mundane mm-hmm. of the fantastic interacting with the mundane, and we don't ever get that in in a whole lot of things. I would like I would love to see uh like an elvish mm-hmm. coffee shop. Like they're they're baristas are elves and they they make a foam latte with a with a cat on it like every other you know barista but it meows at you mm-hmm. or some weird well, little just, things uh, like that. I I, I like I'm never I, gonna and, get and I like this and and, and it makes it more accessible. I mean, you know, <laughs> I think part of the the charm of this a movie like this or, or movies, uh, or char- the charm of this movie and charm of movies like it, um, are those bump ups with the real world. You know where, you know, um, after the dragon um, gets destroyed, right. some police officers run up and like, ah, oh, what happened? And Nicholas Cage has instantly transformed them into other like mustachioed, like basically racist cops, <laughs> very culture, <laughs> culturally insensitive cops. Um, very, ba- you know, just yeah, little things like that. It's bad, just, it's, very bad. I, 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 it made me chuckle, and it's neat to see how the magical world actually. Um, fit in with this one. And that's actually, I'm I'm really excited to see the new um, uh, Pixar movie. Uh, I actually still have not seen the trailer for that, but I, I keep meaning to. Onward. It is about a fantasy world, but now they drive cars. It's like what happens when the elvish When there isn't, when there isn't medieval stasis. Yeah. Grow, grows up. Mm. Like, it just, things move on. So I, I like that. It's the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Obviously, there's going to be a scene where it's so he he's trying to clean up the place to impress his girlfriend or his, the girl that he wants to be the girlfriend. Um, so the brooms all go and make a mess. You know, CG from that era, I don't no. think is hold held up quite as great. There's some elements like you mentioned the the mirror chase. So they're chasing and they're chasing Alpha Merlina. They keep like switching what the look of their car right. to kind of and, and he ends up throwing hide them into a mirror at one and, point and. He has to leave through a mirror before and, it's and destroyed, it, and it's this really tense moment. Right. Well, yeah, and it's it's a callback because like there's this mirror trap or something that that wizards can do or sorcerers can do. And is there a difference between a wizard and a sorcerer? Um, in Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Yes. So then, yeah. So then they, they would be the authority of uh, that. So there's okay. So this is yeah. he's a sorcerer. So the sorcerer I, has established that you can like throw somebody into a mirror and they're trapped in there. So with yeah. The car, like he gets thrown, like they, they they slam into a, a glass, but it like they slide into a reverse reflection of the real world, which is really neat. But then they have to drive through their own reflection to get out. And they and he keeps breaking reflections of them. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was pretty cool. That that and stuff looked good. The 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 Falcon on the Chrysler building was kind of, was a nice like a really cool touch at the uh a couple of times that and then and the bull from the market so the bull mm-hmm. from the the wall street market comes to life you know that they, they really made use of some iconic it, new york things without it turning into the statue of liberty stopping yeah, through if every if every statue came to life and fought each other who would win every okay. statue on the planet every statue on the planet if if you could pick one statue to, to come alive and fight the rest of them what would win now would they retain the powers of like their figure like yes. the, you know, there's yeah, yeah, like well there's atlas oh, we have a statue of atlas at the well it's the statue that's in front of the ioc okay um there's uh there's a statue of bruce lee in hong kong which that too pretty well bruce lee would do okay i think atlas the fact that he can hold up the world yeah eh. 
Uh, there's the Freddie Mercury statue in Switzerland. Would he fight? He wouldn't have to, I don't think. Oh, okay, like his, yeah. the power of his music would, would quell any sort of violence. Yeah. There's a couple thousand statues of Lenin around the world. They'd all team up. They'd all team up, but then like they'd all bicker about who would be the like the leader, and then that, that would go nowhere. Probably. I mean, you know, Abraham Lincoln is just tall. That statue is tall, so he could probably yep. he'd do all right. Do okay there. The you know the Venus statue would be awful because no arms. If well, if if the statue of David is eighteen feet tall, how tall is the statue of Goliath? <laughs> the uh, there's the you know there's the Christo, Christ 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 yeah oh yeah with the big arms yeah actually that's he'd, he'd win that you you just pick you pick the right one he'd win yeah because of course I mean well he does have. He does have weird superpowers, but he he'd, he'd win. He'd win. Yeah. Uh, so all of this, like, is to say that this one, I think, I mean, it was it was a much more entertaining movie. It's definitely more of a family movie. It's a Disney movie. So, but in, in the in the in the vein of yeah. your Pirates of the Caribbean's, your um, National Treasures, where it's it's mindless. It, it is not. You know, the, the National Treasure. It, it kind of it's like Da Vinci Code, where you think, oh, I'm really learning all this stuff. It's bullshit it's all makeup but it's it's nice and it's harmless and it's entertaining and sometimes that's way more important in a movie where you're actually you're actually like having some kind of fun and i walked out i walked out of it every time i seen it i'm like you know that may not have been the best thing you've ever seen but i don't know no that one was fine that was it was it was fun and it kind of reminds you of oh there was a reason that nick cage could be a bankable actor actor. You know, he, he's done some recent stuff that's actually really good. Lord of War. Mandy. Uh, I have not seen Mandy. I have heard Oof. so many disparate things about Mandy. Oof. That is a, that is a movie. I mean, he's, he's great in it, but then he also... I, I, you, have a, you had a great Ebert quote about him. I heard a great quote from Ethan Hawke that yep. he because he, he, he's been in a couple movies with him, and he's like, you know, he needs to be in the discussion with Brando and De Niro and all these people, you know, these these people that yeah. are, we consider the greatest actors. We, we need to put him in there. If you took away his half, mm-hmm. like his bottom half of his movies, like, you know, if you look at his movies, the bottom I, worst yep. ones, the top are incredible. And that he he just put a little bit too much water in his beer. And that, and I, I like, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense because there's, there's a lot of stuff that Nick Cage has done that are that's really entertaining, and like and and he did a really good job in them. And then there's others that are just yikes. How many? How much did you owe in taxes? Uh, <laughs> apparently a lot because there's a rumor that he w- he went bankrupt from buying too many samurai swords. Which, if you're gonna go bankrupt, <laughs> that's the way to do it. That's the way. <laughs> Jesus when, uh, Christ! They were filming. When they were filming Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, he's in that. Oh, I know. He's no, um, he's noir yeah. Spider-Man. Noir, yeah. They couldn't quite get the performance out of him, so they they asked him like, "Can you just go a little bit more?" And he's like, "Oh, you want me to go full cage?" So he's aware. Like, uh, like Jean Claude Van Damme, similar kind of vein, has had some pretty good movies. Has had some pretty movies. Has had some pretty <laughs> has had movies. Some... Yes, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> he has a career of fair to middling mediocre movies with some gems. And then he goes and makes something like JCVD, which is this brilliant, cathartic take on his entire career. This is so good. And it's he has a bit of a renaissance, and he creates that show, John claude Van Johnson, which is really funny and up my alley. And then contrast that with someone like Steven Seagal, who has a similar career trajectory, 
has had probably only two movies that I actually liked of his entire career. Um, Under Siege and Executive Decision. Got it into, got both. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and he, and he dies in the first 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. He's also apparently a bastard on all levels. Just, and, but he also has never had any level of self-awareness about these things. Right. And that makes it worse. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Sorcerer's Apprentice was 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 better than Season of the Witch. You you would be outside of your mind if you thought otherwise. <laughs> yep. Uh, just from just from enjoyability of watching, let alone everything else about it. Just every every other discernible method of of critique. Yes. Yeah. It's better. Okay. I'm pulling up the list now. Yeah. Pick a reference uh, yeah. point. We'll. Okay. So I'm looking at the list. Let's start with the let's start with the bad one first. Okay. Okay. Season of the Witch, I don't think is as good as Deathstalker Two. It's not. So you think what? Okay. Is it is it worse than uh, the One Warrior? Yes. The dragon. The One Warrior. The Dragon Warrior. Uh, I had more fun watching the One Warrior. <laughs> yeah, I think I did too because I can I remember yeah. more of that. All right. So, is it as bad as Deathstalker? No. Okay. So, I'm pretty comfortable putting that between at our new at uh between the One Warrior and Deathstalker. Okay. Okay. Now with um now uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Okay. I'm looking at it, and I think it's probably better than the Neverending Story. Yes. Okay. Is it better than Dragon Slayer? Hmm. I. They're both Disney movies. Which that's actually kind of interesting. Um, um, I don't know. It's what do you definitely think? better than Never Ending Story. Uh, but Dragon Slayer, I think, mm-hmm. it ekes it out a little bit because Dragon Slayer is, has a little bit more nostalgia factor to it, and we still talk about Dragon Slayer more. And uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice is kind of less memorable, other than it's. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think Dragon Slayer above Sorcerer's Apprentice. Okay, cool, cool. So that puts. Sorcerer's Apprentice at six, and uh, Season of the Witch at twelve. <laughs> that one's gonna it's gonna continue to drop. fall. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure about that too. <laughs> yeah, good lord. But it Again, beat out Deathstalker. It beat out Deathstalker. I don't know what's gonna lose to Deathstalker. I, I can think of three off the top of my head. Come back next week to see if we pick out <laughs> one of those. I guarantee you it won't be another Nick Cage movie, though. I don't want to see that man's face for a while. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lucas, how can uh, how can folks follow us uh, after they leave this podcast? Um, they can follow us on uh, Twitter at Sword in Boardcast. Uh, I'm occasionally posting things on there. Uh, send us a message uh, through there if there's a movie you want us to talk about. We'll mm. squeak it in there. Uh, squeak it in there. Uh, I will be updating the list on Letterboxd at Sword and Board, uh, Sword and Board, uh, so you can see in real time what we've got going on. Lars, you got anything else you want to talk about? That was it. Thank you for joining us and uh, coming to hear all about um, Nick Cage's forays into the fantasy genres. Uh, statues fighting and Game of Thrones. Statues fighting and Game of Thrones. And uh, I really think that we did good, good work here today. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> Mom would be All proud. Right. Yes, she would. Yeah, her two college grad sons wasting 
their life watching yeah. Nicolas Cage make bug eyes at the camera. And uh, unfortunately, not enough bug eyes to save them. Uh, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Have a great day, everybody. All right. Have a good night.